episode 48. Dumbledore closed the casket and placed the goblet carefully on top of it, where it would be clearly visible to everyone in the hall. Anyone wishing to submit themselves as champion must write their name and school clearly upon a slip of parchment and drop it into the goblet, said Dumbledore. Aspiring champions have 24 hours in which to put their names forward. Tomorrow night, Halloween, the goblet will return the names of the three it has judged most worthy to represent their schools. The goblet will be placed in the entrance hall tonight, where it will be freely accessible to all those wishing to compete. To ensure that no underage student yields to temptation, said Dumbledore, I will be drawing an age line around the goblet of fire once it has been placed in the entrance hall. Nobody under the age of 17 will be able to cross this line. Finally, I wish to impress upon any of you wishing to compete that this tournament is not to be entered into lightly. Once a champion has been selected by the Goblet of Fire, he or she is obliged to see the tournament through to the end. The placing of your name in the Goblet constitutes a binding magical contract. There can be no change of heart once you have become a champion. Please be very sure, therefore, that you are wholeheartedly prepared to play before you drop your name into the goblet. Now, I think it is time for bed. Good night to you all. An age line, said Fred Weasley, his eyes glinting as they all made their way across the hall to the doors into the entrance hall. Well, that should be fooled by an aging potion, shouldn't it? And once your name's in that goblet, you're laughing. It can't tell whether you're 17 or not. But I don't think anyone under 17 will stand a chance, said Hermione. We just haven't learnt enough. Speak for yourself, said George shortly. You'll try and get in, won't you, Harry? Harry thought briefly of Dumbledore's insistence that nobody under 17 should submit their name. But then the wonderful picture of himself winning the Triwizard Cup filled his mind again. He wondered how angry Dumbledore would be if someone younger than 17 did find a way to get over the age line. Where is he? said Ron, who wasn't listening to a word of this conversation, but looking through the crowd to see what had become of Crumb. Dumbledore didn't say where the Durmstrong people are sleeping, did he? But this query was answered almost instantly. They were level with the Slytherin table now, and Karkaroff had just bustled up to his students. Back to the ship, then, he was saying. Victor, how are you feeling? Did you eat enough? Should I send for some mulled wine from the kitchens? Harry saw Crumb shake his head as he pulled his furs back on. Professor, I would like some wine, said one of the other Drumstrong boys, hopefully. I wasn't offering it to you, Polyakov snapped Karkaroff, his warmly paternal air vanishing in an instant. I notice you have dribbled food all down the front of your robes again, disgusting boy. 
Kakarov turned and led his students toward the doors, reaching them at exactly the same moment as Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Harry stopped to let him walk through first. Thank you, said Kakarov carelessly, glancing at him. And then Kakarov froze. He turned his head back to Harry and stared at him as though he couldn't believe his eyes. Behind their headmaster, the students from Durmstrang came to a halt, too. Kakarov's eyes moved slowly up Harry's face and fixed upon his scar. The Durmstrang students were staring curiously at Harry, too. Out of the corner of his eye, Harry saw comprehension dawn on a few of their faces. The boy with food all down his front nudged the girl next to him and pointed openly at Harry's forehead. Yeah! That's Harry Potter, said a growling voice from behind them. Professor Karkaroff spun around. Mad-Eye Moody was standing there, leaning heavily on his staff, his magical eye glaring unblinkingly at the Durmstrang headmaster. The color drained from Karkaroff's face as Harry watched. A terrible look of mingled fury and fear came over his face. You! he said, staring at Moody as though unsure he was really seeing him. Me, said Moody grimly, and unless you've got anything to say to Potter, Kakaroff, you might want to move. You're blocking the doorway. It was true. Half the students in the hall were now waiting behind them, looking over each other's shoulders to see what was causing the hold-up. Without another word, Professor Karkaroff swept his students away with him. Moody watched him out of sight, his magical eye fixed upon his back, a look of intense dislike upon his mutilated face. As the next day was Saturday, most students would normally have breakfasted late. Harry, Ron, and Hermione, however, were not alone in rising much earlier than they usually did at weekends. When they went down into the entrance hall, they saw about 20 people milling around, some of them eating toast, all examining the goblet of fire. It had been placed in the center of the hall on the stool that normally bore the sorting hat. A thin golden line had been traced on the floor, forming a circle 10 feet around it in every direction. Anyone put their name in yet? Ron asked a third-year girl eagerly. Oh, the drone's trying not, she replied, but I haven't seen anyone from Hogwarts yet. Bet some of them put it in last night after we'd all gone to bed, said Harry. I would have done it if it had been me. I wouldn't have wanted everyone watching. What if the goblet just gobbed you right back out again? Someone laughed behind Harry. Turning, he saw Fred, George, and Lee Jordan hurrying down the staircase, all three of them looking extremely excited. Damn it, Fred said in a triumphant whisper to Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Just taking it. What, said Ron. The aging potion, dung brains, said Fred. One drop each, said George, rubbing his hands together with glee. We only need it to be a few months older. We're going to split the thousand galleons between the three of us if one of us wins, said Lee, grinning broadly. I'm not sure this is going to work, you know, said Hermione warningly. I'm sure Dumbledore will have thought of this. Fred, George, and Lee ignored her. Ready? 
Fred said to the other two, quivering with excitement. Come on, then. I'll go first. Harry watched, fascinated, as Fred pulled a slip of parchment out of his pocket, bearing the words, Fred Weasley, Hogwarts. Fred walked right up to the edge of the line and stood there, rocking on his toes like a diver, preferring for a 50-foot drop. Then, with the eyes of every person in the entrance hall upon him, he took a great breath and stepped over the line. For a split second, Harry thought it had worked. George certainly thought so, for he let out a yell of triumph and leapt after Fred. But the next moment, there was a loud sizzling sound, and both twins were hurled out of the golden circle as though they had been thrown by an invisible shot-putter. They landed painfully, ten feet away, on the cold stone floor. And, to add insult to injury, there was a loud popping noise, and both of them sprouted identical long white beards. The entrance all rang with laughter. Even Fred and George joined in once they had got to their feet and taken a good look at each other's beards. I did warn you, said a deep, amused voice, and everyone turned to see Professor Dumbledore coming out of the great hall. He surveyed Fred and George, his eyes twinkling. I suggest you both go up to Madame Pomfrey. She is already tending to Miss Fawcett of Ravenclaw and Mr. Summers of Hufflepuff, both of whom decided to age themselves up a little too. Though I must say, neither of their beards is anything like as fine as yours.'